0: Welcome to episode 22 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 16th of October 2017. I'm Joe, and with me are Jesse. Freshly showered. Aiki. Very freshly showered. And with The blowout buffet. (laughs) Yes, so uh, the two of you are in the midst of a hurricane, which we shouldn't really make jokes about because people have died, so... Uh, yeah, and we probably shouldn't mention people dying at the top of the show. That's not, uh, conducive to a good time, but you've made it. We're here. We're doing this. Uh, let's hope that the power stays on and the internet stays on long enough to record. So let's start with the excellent, excellent news that the Librem 5 has been funded. Yay. They reached their target. And so now it's happening. So now, now safe in the knowledge that it's going to happen. We're all going to back this, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that tomorrow.
1: Uh, There's
2: no internet at all or anything. Ah, did you see that all the banks were closed as well? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know which way
0: we're going to do this now, you know. Let's take that as a no then. So they're already at uh, 1,750,000 as we record it. So they're well on the way to 2 million. But is it enough? Is it enough to do what they want to do, do we think? Well, how much is one (laughs) phone? Well, they are charging $600 for it. Uh, Yeah, grand (laughs) worry. I'd be amazed if
1: it's enough. But I mean, I heard somebody say, you know, I don't know how true this is, that it wasn't a brand new phone. They're basing it on a um, previous piece of kit,
0: and then they're going to modify that kit. Well, they have got a prototype board already, and I've seen some photos of that running, but they're still waiting for the newer processor, aren't they? The i.mx8 or whatever it is, which is um, coming very soon and they're hoping is going to have the free drivers, but they're kind of hedging their bets with the slightly older 6 version of it. So they don't actually have anything concrete yet, but it's, it's going to take a lot, isn't it? Well,
2: can I just rain on this parade ever so slightly?
0: So if I remember rightly, this is very much a voice over IP phone, right? Uh, well, yeah, it's kind of both. They're pushing the, the Vibe stuff so that it can run totally free software. but So it can normal phone too? Yeah, yeah. It's got um, a, a normal baseband in it, so you can use it as a phone, but okay. you can not install the drivers for that, I think. That'll probably be an option.
2: Cool, because the stretch goal is voice over IP stuff, which is supposed to be one of the main selling points, and that's a stretch goal of 4 million. Yeah, which is just not going to happen, is it? No not even remotely, run Android applications in
0: isolation on the Librem 5, 10 million. Well, to be fair, that would take a lot of work, wouldn't it? It would take a hell of a lot of work to make Android apps work. Um, Why, though? We've already got them working on Linux with
2: Anbox. Yeah, exactly. It's Linux. The stuff already exists.
1: Yeah, but, come <laughs> on. Get cheaper but developers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. find it all out to the <laughs> Far East or something, yeah. But, well... The thing is, to make Android apps work sort of all right-ish is possible now with Anbox, but to make them work flawlessly is another matter, especially with all the Google Play services stuff that you need. Well, they wouldn't do Google Play services because that's not free. No, but they could maybe have that optional. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe not. But at least F-Droid would be nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the plus side,
2: they are actually building it, and there is actually going to be a development kit, and people would be able to make stuff
0: for it, so... Yay! Well, that brings me to my question: Have you any interest in making Solus work on it once it happens? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> but that's not—that's me being unfair against Purism. That's
2: that is me being unfair because I have no interest in phones. I have no interest in Solus being on phones. Like, if at one point I have to do it, it'd be a derived thing of Solus. It wouldn't be Solus itself. But no. But
0: what if someone really wanted to do it? Would you facilitate that? Would you help them out? Um. I mean it's it yeah, it's doable, right? it it, it depends on your
2: I mean, what architecture is the phone. It's gonna be something like a snapdragon, isn't it? Uh well yeah, it's it's an ARM processor, yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's sort of your gotcha there. There'd have to be significant demand for ARM. But you know, if push comes to shove and people wanted ARM support generically in Zolas, then yeah, we could probably enable that. But as for us chasing phones, nah. But it would be nice to see some actual innovation happen in the phone market. You know, I'm not saying they're going to succeed or they're going to fail. It's a, it's an unknown because
0: they've actually got the funding. And the last ones who tried to do that didn't quite get there. Well, no, Shuttleworth had to fund it last time because he mm. went for whatever ridiculous
3: number it was, 14 million or no, more than that, I think. It's like 25, I think. but. Well. Maybe 25 is a realistic target to make the phone that Ubuntu wanted to make. You know, that was incredibly high specs at the time. And if they're if the Libra people are backing off of a, an existing phone, I'm not saying that's the right or wrong way, it might be a more sensible way of doing it. You know, they're going to have, have a cheaper goal or lower goal, sorry. But some of these, I have to say, some of these stretch goals do look a little bit like the way that I make some of my New Year predictions, and just um, <laughs> this might happen. Right, let's put that down. What, what should we have as six or eight? Ah, oh, eight million. There we go. You know, free <laughs> free encrypted VPN tunnels for everyone for a year. There we go. Lovely. It just it does seem a bit. Odd. And the other thing that's a bit odd about this is is some of the last minute funding that came in. Rather than a you know uh, lots of people funding small amounts or the six hundred dollars that it is for each phone, there was a few really big backers towards the end.
1: Which so I see you've bought into Popey's graph conspiracy then.
3: So if the if you want to put money towards a project and you're a big company, why haven't, hasn't that big company just put money into the project and they've done it, you know, off to one side and then have released a phone. If if the big company or, you know, an investor with millions and millions of pounds is putting these massive lumps in right towards the end, right. Just to, so we hit the target. It all sounds a little bit like they had someone in mind anyway, and they've done this as I think, I hope Joe will back me up because he seems to have said it a couple of times, you know, to sort of pedal the PR campaign and, they were going to get it funded anyway. Oh, that's an interesting take on it.
0: Um, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it's a case of an eccentric millionaire who cares a lot about free software, and we know there are at least two of those. I can think of one. <laughs> well, you've met one recently, but there is another one as well. Blue, whoever runs Blue Systems, you know the KDE side of things. So there are people out there who are rich and care about software freedom, and. Maybe they wanted to push it over the edge. And so that's why they they bought those $20,000 ones and decided, okay, we're going to put in, well, I'm going to put in 60,000. So I'll do three of those or whatever it ended up being. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it was calculated because the thing is that the it, the whole thing felt quite carefully orchestrated from a PR point of view, didn't it? From the beginning, they announced it. They got a load of publicity. Then they announced that Gnome were on board, they got a load more. Then they announced that KDE were on board, they got a load more. Um, and and Matrix and all the rest of it. And so it, it does feel like it was very well planned. And you have to say hats off to them because they do care about software freedom and you need to have a bit of that PR stuff going on. Otherwise you just end up with loads of dull shit that no one cares about. At least they've drummed up the support for this and they've made or they've brought in more than their goal that you know the best part of two million dollars to to make this thing happen that we've desperately wanted to happen for so long because even with the ubuntu side of things that was still running proprietary bullshit underneath it wasn't it all the android stuff yeah whereas this is going to be if it works out and if they do deliver on their goal well their promise at this point we're going to have a totally free software phone which we haven't had before so fair play to him i reckon I've got to ask the derailing
2: question here, just one derailing question. You said that uh, it's the thing we've desperately wanted. Why have we desperately wanted it?
0: Well, we is uh, a term. It depends who we is. Uh, there are certain, I would. <laughs> well, yeah. Mr. No Google Apps, you've got the closest thing to this at the moment, which is Lineage with no G-Apps. Yeah. And this is just a step further, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and the—I the, mean—the thing I would see would be that it doesn't mean that you means that you don't get stuck on a horrifically old kernel version for ever, essentially. So, from your
2: perspective, you would get the the sort of experience you've been seeking without the Googles, without the anti-free parts of the existing mobile world, but as a genuine product and not something botched together.
1: Yeah, I mean. I think that's pretty cool. I don't mind doing a bit of work myself, but I mean, I am getting lazier the older I get. Uh, but it would be nice to be able to get a device that doesn't automatically brick itself, essentially, by in being invalid after a few years, like my soon to be wireless router. So you get to be treated like a customer and you get to preserve your freedoms. Yep. It'd be nice, wouldn't it?
0: Mm. All right. Well, uh, let's move on and rattle through a couple of these. There's some KDA stuff that you care about, Phelan. Tell us what's great <laughs> about convergence with a k
1: it was just a quick one um one of them was the convergence article uh, it's a bit in-depth it's probably a bit boring to talk about here but um i think we should chuck the link in anyway it's one of the guys that's heavily involved in what could become the new os for the librem phone so i thought it was quite interesting using the um new kd tools that they've got developed for plasma 5 and stuff well they're not that new but it, they're starting to develop on those to, to integrate them into a fully convergent device and not to be convergent as in one size fits all, but to just have really good toolkits that allow you to develop different apps for different sizes, different views on the same sort of data.
3: I mean, the area that Convergence kind of fell down with Ubuntu, as as far as I could see, was that, yeah, it was nice if you had something on your desktop, something on your tablet, something on your phone of different sizes, and it it did its auto decision as to how big it had to be depending on what screen it was on. But someone's got to write the, that one code base three times, you know, to, to put all the right things in the right places depending on what size it's going to be. And are they looking at having all of the software, you know, all the K-software can run on the phone or just like a couple of odd bits, like the clock will run on everything and the calculator <laughs> will run. On it. You know, the the things that you get installed with your phone as standard versus all useful apps that you actually use every day.
1: That's a good question. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I think they're looking to make it easy to sort of split off the bits that are unique and then merge all the bits that are the same in theory, it's super fast and easy to do. Ike might debate that, but you know, I think they're working on that, and they're working on the structures that are required or missing from that as well. So yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a bit of a see how good they can get it to go.
3: Okay. I mean you're you're echoing what I've noticed with the general sort of KDE view on on plasma on devices and, and convergence is let's look at what we can do. Let's let's sort of dip our toes into it try and do some of the technical background, see where we get, without some sort of grand holistic plan as to how it's going to be or saying in a year's time we'll have a phone release or whatever, just this is a good way of going, we're going to see what we can do and in six months' time we'll tell you how we've done and how we're going to move on. So you know, there may well not be an answer to my question, hence you don't know it, but it does seem like the sort of way that KDE and the Plasma team have gone about this to to just see what they can do and and see what's what comes out at the end.
0: Yeah, they do seem to be quite modest and humble about the mobile side of things, don't they? They seem to be very honest, I think is the best way to think about it, that you've got a phone that is kind of a nice idea, it's a nice proof of concept, but they are by no means saying it is a product yet, and they're taking slow and steady steps towards that happening. And they're not making any bold claims like Ubuntu used to. So that's what I really appreciate about it. And
1: it's not just sort of a new KDE Linux desktop or uh, mobile that they're aiming for too. You're able to use the you know the Kirigami Toolkit on Android as well. So to try and make it useful for more than just the ideal that might happen, they've actually got it rolling out onto proper apps already. I mean, if you take uh, subsurface is one of the things they talk about, which was ported to QT from GTK. You know, that's Linus's favorite diving tool thing that he uses when he goes like Aqualung diving, I mean. And uh, they ported that to QT, but then that allowed them to use QT quick through it. And then they made a mobile version of it real fast. So kind of handy if you're out diving in a boat, you can actually use your phone to do your dive computer stuff and God knows what. You can tell I'm obviously a diver, so I know all about these things, but... (laughs) yeah you've got
0: the physique for it yeah you are dead oh (laughs) yeah anyway uh so plasma 511 is out as well which you've put in phelim i had a quick look at it it's again slow and steady improvements there's nothing major is there in there
1: um there's a few nice things uh vaults is really cool um i haven't got enough of a use of it yet to give it a full sort of review but um it's like a virtual sort of drive where you can store encrypted data. And if you use CryFS, which is supposedly secure, and they have no claims that it isn't, uh, you can use that, which is quite compatible with things like uh, Dropbox, cloud, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, quite handy for storing a bunch of encrypted data about clients or whatever, and having that auto-sync up to a server and not having to do giant big blobs you know, it does it in a a smaller sort of uh, file size, but it doesn't give away what's inside there either. So you don't know that, oh, look, if we batter away
0: on passwords.txt, we'll eventually get it. Ah, oh, that seems quite useful. I wonder if it will come to other desktop environments and stuff.
1: Hopefully not. And we get to keep it and <laughs> shout at you that you don't have it. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah,
3: because
0: that, that's what free software is all about, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah, <laughs> it is.
1: Sticking fingers in eyes.
3: Well, I mean, the KDE guys have obviously got the memo about uh, updating their system settings to have what now I think most uh, distributions have, which is it's like all of the headings down the left-hand side, and then the main bulk of the window changes to display your your heading. So it used to be you kind of click on the heading, and the whole window changes to show you what you've got. And now, because I was looking at, when we come to it, uh, a review later, and they've got this as well. And so it does seem like someone sent a memo to a bunch of distributions and and uh, uh desktop environments I'm like right this is the way that we go with system settings Fall in line <laughs> uh well
0: yeah just looked at the xfce ones <clears throat> yeah 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 doesn't look like that to me but yeah you're right that does seem to be the modern way to do it so um yeah it i hate i find myself hating plasma less and less with every update update. (laughs) feel the love (laughs) yeah that's an endorsement and a half yeah yeah Yeah. a glowing endorsement Um, right so uh let's all take the piss out of jesse for not running lineage on his
3: one plus three is it it is the one plus three so ike you know you're asking why anyone would want this uh super open super free read the code type phone yeah Uh, i'm sort of surprised that the guys didn't stick it in me then but um sorry was not a phrase yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have to get me
0: drunk first
3: <laughs> at least by dinner so um yeah this is the news that uh someone's done some digging around in the oneplus uh oxygen os uh, which is the the tweak to android that comes as standard on oneplus phones and there's uh some information that's being sent out by the phone some <laughs> Back to OnePlus. All um, of the information. So yeah, I think I think we've pretty much covered it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's not at all over the top whatsoever. It's only a small bit of data going out, though, right? i be surprised there's not video as well and audio, a constant, <laughs> a constant audio stream from
2: your phone. Not group.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, it is going over HTTPS, so you know.
2: Oh, that's fine then. You know, as long as they receive all
0: your information securely, <laughs> who cares, yeah, right? store it carefully for whoever might need it. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't look good at all for them, does it? It's it's just a very bad look. And so I'm just so fucking glad, man, that the first thing I did was what you did for me. Yeah. Well, you couldn't use yours for a while, could you? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>
1: I may have accidentally put the 3 and not the 3T image on mine for the very first day I did it. And I just realized as I did it, I went, oh, God, no. And then I had to do the recovery procedure.
0: Oh, shit. You're lucky you didn't totally brick it. Yeah, yeah. That was embarrassing. It's a good thing nobody knows about that. <laughs> well, by the time I got mine, thankfully, it was um, there was just one image for it for both phones. But so, Jesse, has this tempted you to come to the lineage light side?
3: So, I mean, it's always been on my to do, but I have to say that the Oxygen OS isn't as offensive as most of the stock Androids you get on things like Samsungs and Sony's, and so I've been less, I've been less inclined to uh, to make the move. But I, I agree that yes, this has sort of maybe go. Okay, this is probably the tipping point. I should put an evening aside and move all my apps over and sort it out in my view. But I. I do also sort of think that, yeah, I'm the fool guy for this one because I've got that phone and I've not put lineage on it. But I mean, I do you not think that you could basically point at almost any electronic device and in a fortnight's time we'll have a bit of news about that, like everyone's BT router has been hacked or everyone's firmware on these types of HP laptops is vulnerable or this thing over there? It just feels like I'm the unlucky one. But
1: it doesn't sit in your pocket like you don't strap your laptop to your crotch and then wander about <laughs> with it. So it does know quite a bit of info about that you. Is
3: the, that is no way, Phelan. I'm not letting you have that. So your laptop has you know banking details, it has all your personal.
1: I dare say your phone does too.
3: Yeah, but you can't just say. Your phone is a problem. My laptop's fine. Your laptop's just got got just as much stuff. No, but
1: your your laptop stays rotting in a bag or stays on a desk.
0: It's not switched on all the time everywhere with you. Well, I don't know. I think that is just a bullshit argument, really, that just because everyone else is doing bad things, they are fine to do it. They do need to be called out, and every other phone manufacturer that's doing this needs to be called out as well. It just so happens that the the kind of person who's got a OnePlus phone is probably geeky enough to sniff the traffic and see exactly what's going on with it. But I would have thought that a lot of other companies are doing this. Uh, Maybe not to this extent, but they are certainly collecting metrics and data about their users.
2: Isn't it great when you don't have a data plan?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apart from that. But I'm not saying, oh, loads of other bad stuff happens. Let's, Let's just ignore it all. I'm just sort of pointing out on the, yes, I should move over to Lineage and evade this problem. That's been highlighted. I have no excuse to not move over. But it, like I say, in, in a fortnight's time, it just seems like any object that's connected to the internet and electronic or is hackable on Wi-Fi or whatever is, is, is prime for having this sort of news story. And I'm not saying that just because everyone's doing it, it's okay. I'm saying everything is fucking fucked at the moment.
0: Well, we will get to that towards the end of the news, probably at the end of the news. But um, all right, let's let's move on from that and let's talk about more phone shit that's gonna <laughs> really uh, in thought, Ikey. But it's not just phones. The the Google event happened in the last couple of weeks, uh, where they announced the Pixel Two and the Pixel Two XL and loads of other shit. I, I don't think we need to really go into it that much. Is there anything that jumped out at anyone? Anything that really caught your eye from this event? Blatantly, it's the
3: super creepy camera. (laughs) Google clips. Yeah, so uh, it's a camera that sits there and doesn't record all day long, like video, but it, it tries to spot what is a good thing that's happened in your house or an interesting event, and then we'll take a photo and send you that photo. So maybe... You throw your child in the air whilst cooking and flipping a pancake, and it takes a photo of that moment that you wouldn't have been able Wait, to capture, why? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and reports you to child <laughs> <reviews>, abuse. I hope, <laughs> as you end up with a, a pancake in your hand and, where did my child go? That's a good
3: reason to have this camera. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that. Oh yeah, maybe that'll get sent straight to the authorities. Anyway, so it's a photo that you wouldn't have been able to take, or wouldn't have thought of taking, which like sounds like I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like it sounds like a clever idea, but oh my fuck! Just the point of having a camera in your place all the time—you know—to call it Orwellian is just an understatement.
0: Yeah, it's it's really scary, and it's going to be uh, videos as well that this thing's taking, although with no sound, and it just makes you wonder what it's what it's going to be doing. It's this is the kind of thing that sounds like a good idea in a Silicon Valley um, meeting, but then. In the real world, I just can't see people going for this. Or are people that they will desensitized? I mean, like with all Alexas and and all that shit as oh, well. They will. Least. I mean, that's another thing they announced, like more Google Home stuff. I mean, are any of you lot into the idea? I mean, obviously, <laughs> failing, you're not going to be because it's proprietary software. But like Jesse, you're generally up for all this new bollocks. Like, do you have any desire to <laughs> have a, <bit> a... <laughs> Do you work in <laughs> PR? Uh,
3: so I am a an, a an Alexa and Google assistant and whatever. And I hope I'm setting them all off, but um a free a free household. But you do use it on your phone though. Uh, yes, for things that are awkward to do with your fingers, that are quicker by voice. <laughs> so Baby. just like these these are perfectly reasonable sentences. <laughs> So like sometimes it's you want to set a reminder to uh go and get the newspaper because you know you you want to check the odds on something or other the next day an antiquated example but it's quicker to say <laughs> you know hit the little microphone and say add a add an event for this blah 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 blah. done and it will say do you want this do you mean this yes done and it's quicker than typing it or ser- like I search I I have got to the point of walking down the street checking that there's no one within like 10 meters of me <laughs> yeah. and then speaking because texting and walking is really fucking awkward or like just typing on I mean, typing and walking i'd rather get hit by a bus <laughs> i would <will> check i'm <laughs> away from traffic and in a safe and reasonable to do so i will say okay google find me the nearest pub and i'm, I'm off do
2: you remember like when people used to look up and ask people it's like here do you know a pub around here i'm sorry <laughs> you didn't say alexa Yeah, God forbid that you actually speak to someone So you said about, would, would people buy these? So I have an instant answer to that. You can go into a garage and buy a selfie stick. Secondly, the creepiest sentence in the whole of this thing, Google has come out with a camera that uses artificial intelligence
0: to capture intimate moments that you aren't able to get on your own. Yeah. Saying nothing else. Yeah, I'm just wondering how many people are going to get caught wanking by this. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be no sound as well, so everything is going to be without context.
3: Just wandering around your flat, tossing <laughs> it off anyway. We've got more.
2: It's because he's got a selfie stick, is not
0: he? <laughs> uh, right, anything else from the Google event or are we moving on? Nah, move on. All right, so Ike, you are saving gaming on Linux, according uh, to the headline that I wrote. Bose? <laughs> I'm enthused. <laughs> yeah. So you what, what's all this about base snaps and uh Linux Steam integration, which is I swear LSI stands for something else and you've stolen the acronym. Probably. Yeah. So what's tell us in uh uh one of those newfangled double tweets length what it what, what's all this about? How long's a double tweet? Wait, how long's a single shut up. <laughs> right <laughs> The tweets one forty, isn't it? Right, or don't make me math Yeah, 140 and uh, fuck it, whatever. Anyway, tell us, in, without going into too much detail. All the snaps now, they depend on something called the core snap, which is currently based on Ubuntu, right? I
2: want to make one that's based on Solus and not for egotistical reasons, although that's a slight part of it. Basically, it would provide all the runtime work we've done to make Steam actually work properly on Solus available to everyone. So we'd have our... Build of Linux Steam integration, which I'll get to a second, and Steam, depending on our runtime, not using any of the host libraries. So all of a sudden you're not having all of these random issues that you have right now, not able to use open drivers, or you don't have this particular version of a library, or this thing conflicts with that thing. Right now it's an awful sorry mess because of the fact that you've got your host OS and parts of another runtime trying to work together. It's completely ugly. So what I want to do is go further than the existing Steam runtime and have everything in there that it's going to need, completely isolated from the rest of your system so that it actually just works. The Linux Steam integration part of it goes a long way to undo all the bits of magical voodoo that make the games currently work in that they don't. (laughs) Um, Because so much has changed in Linux in the last few years. I'm well over the double tweet length now. (laughs) But... (laughs) Um, Like all the magic they have to do, like overriding the library path and preloading certain libraries, it undoes all that. It forces it to look in different places for libraries. It renames them on the fly as it's doing the loading. Like it doesn't actually touch any files. It literally just takes over the dynamic linker and tells it how to look for libraries afterwards. So we put both of those things together. We create a snap out of it then anyone could use that snap and that runtime to run Steam on any snap-supporting Linux distribution and get the same experience everywhere without any of the compatibility issues. It would just work. The good thing about that is not just for the users. Then the developers would
0: have one consistent thing to target, not 480,000 different distributions. So that means then that if you're on, say, Arch and you do sudo snap install um the Steam thing, Linux Steam integration. Yeah, I mean, we'll come up with a better name before then, but we can go with yeah. your one from now. Yeah, So LSI, whatever, it'll pull that down as well as your core one. Yeah. But if you are on Solus, then it obviously has that core one anyway. And so that is basically a dependency at that point. So you'd still
2: use it on Solus because, I mean, there's going to get to a point where we can't keep our library synced anymore in core Solus because we have to keep the desktop going. We have to keep progressing there we won't be able to maintain that compatibility forever in the main Solus project, but we can take the core parts of Solus and just layer some differences on top of that. So if we needed to change a couple of the libraries to fit in with that Steam stuff, we could easily do that. So whatever distribution you was on, you wouldn't be using the whole stuff. You would just be using this runtime and that build of Steam and LSI, and it would just work the same everywhere. So it wouldn't matter if you was even on Slackware or something
0: it would just work the way it was meant to. So basically, the long and the short of all this is that if your disk drive support snaps properly, then you'll be able to run Steam perfectly.
2: Yep. There are going to be some teething issues, obviously. we're going to have to... I've started pinging a few of the game devs up on Twitter and over on GitHub as well, but... It's going to be a lot more of a solid start than we have now. Instead of people having to manually mangle the games, libraries and binaries and scripts to get things to work, they shouldn't have to do that anymore.
0: Does that mean that you are actively encouraging and facilitating people to run proprietary software? Yeah. Nice one. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A quick Snap question, because you've been indoctrinated to the point where you know all about this. So Snaps are self-updating then. So, how does that work again, briefly, if you can? Yep. Because, <laughs> like, obviously, with Deb's and RPMs and Um, ER packages, you have to specifically run that, and you can set what is effectively a cron job with um, yep. uh, unattended upgrades. But so, how does do Snap just do it in the background, or like, I I don't have enough experience with it to know how. Okay. Long
2: story short, the SnapD daemon runs in
0: the background. And there is a systemd unit. Think
2: of it very much like a cron, like a cron job because it's just a systemd timer unit. And every so often that just tells it to run a command, which is basically snap refresh. So even if snapd isn't running, it will be started and it would tell them to do the refreshes. So if you enable that unit, which we don't do in Solus by default. But if you enable that unit, then they would automatically upgrade in the background on a given timer. If there's nothing to be updated, then it doesn't get updated. It's just like doing like a pseudo apt update, no real difference. But if you want to do that manually, then it's pseudo snap refresh. It's very much the same as using the package manager, like pseudo apt
0: update or pseudo eo package up. There's no real difference there. Yeah, so that's that's equivalent to dist upgrade and or an upgrade. Basically, yeah. I mean, you're just, just you. <laughs> As much as they won't
2: like it to be called a package manager, it kind of is. It just deals with a very different form of package.
0: Right. So it seems that they've got their shit together then, basically. Yeah, I'd say so. And that it is going to become the standard because the more I hear about it, the more I think, well, yeah, that's quite sensible. And yeah, that's quite sensible. And well, I mean, look at it this way, right? I mean,
2: I've, I've already had some people fall out of me sadly over <laughs> on Reddit. Um, of course, over using Snap and not Flatpak. And it's always, well, you know, Flatpak does these things better. You know, there's, there's places where it's technically superior. And I agree with those points, but the, the reality that I see is that I see on one side, you know, <laughs> in the blue corner, I guess, uh, over with Canonical, they're funding money into the PR part of it and promoting it. Whereas over on the Flatpak side, it's engineering resources. And that's it. There, There's no promotion there. There's no developer outreaches. There's none of that happening over there. And for me, I've got to think more in terms of the market than I would in terms of the technological capabilities. Because they both kind of do the sort of same core thing, which is run other things on other distros. But if you had to put two of them in a room and say, well, which one of these is most likely to win over bigger players in the market, it's going to be one that's throwing money at the market. But Flatpak doesn't even do services though, does it? I don't actually know. I stopped paying attention to it.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's desktop oriented, right? Yeah, that would make sense that it doesn't do services because it's not aimed at servers. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas snaps will automatically restart services and you know, like
2: uh when I was running Nextcloud, it was just running after I installed it, which is kinda cool.
1: Yeah. I've, I should try it.
2: Yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to use the remote stuff, you can always just download the .snaps locally and install them there, like if you're worried about the ownership
1: side of things. Yeah. I just, I hate, like, I tried a DB in Docker and that was just a nightmare. Ah, uh, yeah, so. Docker can be painful. So it just, it smells of the same thing, even if it isn't. It,
2: it is, it's all up the same street. I mean, it's containers. Once that word is in there, everyone tries to run away with it. It's like, oh no, no, it's not like those containers, but it kind of is yeah. because you're using the same kernel features and a relocatable root. It's all the same stuff, just with different names and different use cases. Docker is, I will run forever and you can bring me up at a second's notice and I will update them. Snap is more everything's at the foreground but it's yeah it's all just relocatable containers whatever way you want to look at it it's Docker for desktops
0: (laughs) (laughs) but and servers as well kind of which
2: yeah and servers as well like you can actually genuinely run server software with that which is as much as it pains me to say that it's kind of good for the older services that you might need to be running and you're, if you was a little bit concerned about security, it's like eh, it's sandboxed, you know, to an yeah. extent. Obviously, it's not, it's not a VM. There are still things that you need to take precautions against, but it's a little bit of peace of mind.
0: Well, the updates thing is really relevant to IoT. I think that's where oh, yeah. snaps yeah. are really gonna shine, and IoT is where we're gonna see the worst effects of cracks. Oh, look at the segue. Now, can we just get this out of the way at the beginning? So it's called Crack, which is Key Reinstallation Attacks. Now, this has been put together by someone who has never spent any time in the United Kingdom, because the sub-headline is Breaking WPA2 by Forcing Nonce Reuse. (laughs) Now... (laughs) Anyone in the UK would say, no, you definitely don't want to reuse a nonce. <laughs> you don't? You don't want to use one in the first nope. place. Of course, a nonce, it means something that is unique once and then is gone again. So a word or an idea that comes once and then disappears and it is unique in history, which is what some of the keys and stuff that are involved in these handshakes should be but there are ways to force the reuse of these nonces. <laughs> For our American uh, <laughs> listeners, look up the word nonce and you'll see why we are amused, even if we shouldn't be. So anyway, the the serious point here is that Wi-Fi is fucked, basically. WPA2 is used Basically, everywhere apart from in some enterprise things like WPA2 Enterprise, I don't think is affected by this that we know of, but basically, every device, every router, every IoT device is fucked until it gets patched. Which, okay, Windows have already patched it. Um, Android will patch it probably in a few weeks if you are lucky, in a few years if you're not, and never if you're a normal person um this is really fucking bad man it makes me want to use ethernet cables again
3: yeah it was the point i was making earlier my phone manufacturer is being a bastard and he's doing something about that but you then have to look at something else and with the best will in the world someone has found a way around uh, the security of the thing that makes everything work like wi-fi is ubiquitous and so it's a case of even even with open protocols and, and code that is used by loads of people, it just seems that one of these events is going to happen every fortnight, every six months, you know, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And for the for the fundamental way in which all the devices communicate with each other to be broken uh, is, uh, like you say, Joe, bad, for, bad day for the internet.
1: Yeah, I have two routers. One of them was because... The router that I initially installed was a pfSense box built on a sort of a, a like a single board computer type thing. Hang on, pfSense. Yes, I know. The only there was no Linux based one I could use at the time, and it was just it was a nice piece of kit, so I went for it. I know it's getting updated. I feel dirty every time I I download packets from the internet. But anyway, uh, what's
3: what's it getting updated to?
1: Well, it's going to get updated to uh Like that'll get patched because they are constantly update it, update it all the time. Sorry,
3: okay, I thought you meant you're changing it from PF to something else. But yeah, okay, the update's coming for that. No,
1: no, but I I also have a Netgear one because ah, a small dig at BSD. The driver for the wireless chipset wasn't great and would drop off the connection now and again. So I had to get a separate bit of kit. So I bought a 30 quid TP-Link. I think it's TP-Link or is it Nekir? God, I can't remember. And shoved it in a cupboard and went, all right, there, there we go. There's a second network. We can use that. And I know for a fact that thing's not going to get patched. So I'm going to have to go in with the claw end of a hammer into that unit and rip it out the wall and fling that in the bin and create
0: more e-waste and go buy a new one and, you know... Bloody annoying. But if that router had been running a Snap-based system, then it could have been updatable. I mean, I know I don't want to seem like some Snap advocate. They've got plenty of people getting paid for that. (laughs)
1: Snap-vigate.
2: Oh, (laughs)
0: Jesus. But, like, it does sound like it would be the solution to this problem. Yeah, it's got to be. Because, I mean,
1: you can go on and on about proprietary versus free, whatever, but, I mean, we can't just keep chucking stuff in a bin just for the sake of somebody can't be arsed to update the software on it. You know, and I imagine it's its probably not even a big patch. It's probably a, you know, it's a few lines, he says, not knowing a clue of what's in that firmware. but Well, Aiki, you've patched this today. I've seen them today. Uh, there was eight patches
2: that needed to be applied to WPA Supplicant 2.6. They were also nice enough, the offers of WPA Supplicant, to provide the rebased version so you could apply them directly to 2.6 or, if you really wanted to, a Bleeding Edge version WPA Supplicant and Arch Linux, Fedora, Ubuntu, Solos, so obviously Debian as well is in there, have all got those updates out today, which means probably most of the distributions have got them out and we've all been able to do it in no time at all. And so could the fucking device manufacturers.
0: Don't connect it to the internet if you're not going to fucking update it. Well, yeah, if they had the infrastructure to do it, because the thing is that Linux distros and Windows and Mac and all the rest of it have that distribution method. They have the infrastructure in place to push updates, whereas most routers need to be manually flashed. Yeah, but they don't care either. That's the thing. It's
1: to make the cheapest possible thing, fling it over the wall and disappear, and in some cases fold
0: the company that might be involved with it because they disappear after a short time. So, I mean, how worried should we be about this, do you think? Given that every device in the world is fucked, well, it's your phones you got to worry about now. It's the Android phones, and not only that, you, you,
1: you've got your Bluetooth as well that you've got that only happened what was yeah. a week or two weeks ago, and <laughs> the
2: iOS thing not long ago as well, where it was attacking the Broadcom firmware directly over Wi-Fi. <laughs> We're fucked, lads. We may just we may just give in altogether. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. It does make me want to not use my phone out and about, but I kind of need to. It makes it scary, doesn't it? Like, you don't know what on who to trust anymore. Yeah. Oh,
2: well. <laughs> uh, I'm not bothered, but fuck <laughs> it. Looks at Twitter again.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: These things are going to be happening all the time. There's always going to be some part of the stack or some well established protocol that becomes insecure again. And uh, basically, it's going to be a case of choose who you trust. Like, don't buy from shit manufacturers anymore. We get to a point, finally, where it's like, hmm, maybe the
0: throwaway consumer society we have built for ourselves isn't quite <laughs> the best approach. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came home from work and uh, wanted to show my missus the hilarious thing about the nonces. Um <laughs> and uh, she already knew about the story. It's it's on the mainstream news, so oh, wow. maybe did maybe wait, did it they will. actually do that over in England as well? Like have it up in the news? It's like Nazis attack the internet. <laughs> 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 Please say they did that. <laughs> no, I don't think they used the word nonces, Thankfully, no, they but uh, they they talked about Wi-Fi as or uh, security Wi-Fi. Uh, I think that was pretty much the the crux of that but people are hearing about it and maybe this will be a catalyst for change
1: yeah Yeah. the bbc has said that it's all linux's fault somehow Uh, open
2: source (laughs) (laughs) they broke (laughs) the stuff
0: not that we failed to maintain it (laughs) yeah all right then so this episode of late night linux is sponsored by entroware and entroware are a dedicated linux computer seller based here in the UK, and they sell computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate 1604 and 1704, but presumably 1710, almost by the time you hear this. Um, And they're a company who cares about Linux. It's run by a couple of really cool dudes who came to Old camp a couple of years ago, and we met and realized that they, they care. You know, they're not just a company that also sells a few Linux things and they're kind of dipping their toes into it. This is a company that is all about Linux. So if you want a laptop or a desktop or even they've got a server, then go to entroware.com and check out what they've got. They've got everything from low-end stuff that's kind of just basic browsing and email um, focused all the way up to real powerhouses with the latest NVIDIA cards in them, that you can do graphic design and 3D art and video editing and that sort of thing. And most stuff is configurable, so you can decide how much RAM you're going to go for and SSD and that sort of thing, and you can upgrade the processors. And they ship to the UK, the Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, then do mention us at checkout, and then they'll know that Late Night Linux sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. So a bit of admin then. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. It's very much appreciated. Um, And you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support if you want to join them. And you can go to latenightlinux.com slash contact for all the ways to get in touch with us. I think that's it. There's not really anything to mention this week, is there? So let's get into Ubuntu 17.10. Now, there has to be a big asterisk on this. We've been checking out the the daily images. It's due for release on Thursday. It's now Monday night as we record this. So it's basically, if they haven't fixed it by now, then it's not looking good that they're going to have fixed it. But I think we will overlook some bugs and stuff because it is pre-release just about. But I think you get the idea of it anyway. So, I don't know who to start with. I suppose, Phelan, you are a KDE man, so this is totally different for you going to GNOME. I presume you haven't really used GNOME for a while. I must say,
1: I was never against Unity. I was of the opinion that if I wasn't able to use KDE and I had to use Unity like as a work laptop or something like that, I would have been fine to do it. I was never hostile to it, I guess, because I, I didn't have the whole history with GNOME sort of thing, so maybe I wasn't you know, I just wasn't as invested in it. Like if someone told me, right, KD's, everybody's been shot who was part of KD and we've deleted all the the data. Right, you have to use Unity now. No worries. (laughs) It would have been fine. So, I mean, to me, because I haven't used Unity in a while, looking at this, I'm half thinking
0: it looks very, very similar and I'm not entirely sure what the differences are. All right, well, Jesse, you used Unity for a long time, for a while. So do you concur with that sentiment?
3: Yeah, I think asking Phelim what he thinks of Gnome is is actually a not quite the right question because it's so like Unity, and they've done a, you know a fantastic job in taking Gnome and tweaking it and making amendments and the look and feel and the placement of icons and positions and colours and all that kind of stuff to make it really really similar to Unity. And they've done a fantastic job. There are obvious differences, like they haven't got the HUD, they haven't got is that what the pop up used to be called? I think it was the HUD. I just don't want to get my terminology wrong, but if you press start, uh, super key, pardon me, and the there's a, the main pop-up that used to come up on Unity, obviously now it's GNOME, and it's the GNOME app launcher. Um, and so there, there are those sort of obvious things. When you switch between desktops, they're tiled downwards, rather than left and right on most desktop environments. But it is a... It, you know is credit to the to the desktop team who have taken gnome and made it look so familiar to people and hence why i think Phelan didn't see the difference um but that said i kind of wanted to then tweak it with some different icons and move stuff about. And I found it very difficult to do those things I wanted to do. I couldn't find uh, a way of change icons very easily. Hence, I was looking in the settings menu and we referred to it, or I referred to it earlier in the show. They've got the the new GNOME settings menu with uh, the scrollable options on the side. And I, I found it a bit difficult to sort of make it my own way. And then I remembered that that's kind of how Unity always was.
2: In fairness, that's kind of how GNOME is believe it or not, it's kind of hard to configure Gnome how you want it to be. They no longer have any options built in for changing your theme, your icon theme, anything like that. It's all been relegated to Gnome Tweak Tool.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I agree entirely, and Gnome Tweak Tool is the way that I would or have done that.
0: Isn't it called Gnome Tweaks now? did they shorten
2: it? Oh, they can't decide. It's still Gnome Tweak Tool to me, just like it's Nautilus as well.
3: Yeah, no, it's files. <laughs> <laughs> Boxes. Mm. I mean, even even from the install, it looked the same. You know, it looked like they probably use the same installer, I assume, but uh, it looked like uh, Ubiquity, is it? It is, yeah. Yeah, it, all very smooth. You know, it felt like I was installing a standard Ubuntu from uh, six months, a year ago, uh, and it remembered my Wi-Fi from the live version uh the live install through to the actual final install. Um and it, the only difference was that when it when it started up it didn't have that uh shortcut sort of uh overlay that shows you all the super key shortcuts you can do. The
0: one that says hold down the super key to bring this back that no one ever sees and then no one ever sees that yeah. thing again. <laughs>
3: where's where's it gone? It's lost forever. <laughs> so yeah. it's a
0: super key to do that, yeah? <laughs> well it used to be. Alright, cheers. <laughs> um r- one thing that struck me was they've gone through all these changes. They've totally restructured the company. They've made the massive change back to GNOME. And it's, you know, they've s- spent ages doing the the polishing of it and everything. And then you, you open it up and it's like, oh, yeah, they've still got an Amazon link. Mm. Yeah, nice one. That was really popular back in the day. And it's, uh, mm. this was a fresh start for the sake of the, how many thousand quid are they making from that probably not that many they they could have just turned over a new leaf made a fresh start all those clichés but instead it's still there and when you go to uninstall it in the software center the reviews of it are so funny it's like this is still in here i can't believe it just get rid of it and just no stars and all the rest of it so surely that's nostalgia at this point though right well yeah I suppose. And some people would say it's a minor thing, but to me, it just seems really fucking unprofessional. And I just can't believe that Amazon has allowed them to do this deal because from what I know of, certainly the podcasting world, not that I've ever been involved directly, but people who I've spoken to about it, once you get to a certain success with the Amazon affiliate link, which is effectively what this is, they cut you off and they just find bullshit ways to cut you off. So if they were making any real money from it, then they wouldn't be making any money because they would have been cut off by now. So it just seems like, I don't know. I don't want to dwell too much on it, but just for fuck's sake, don't do it in the LTS.
3: Okay, so I'll go with a full out positive then. Uh, to counter that and bluetooth is fantastic i know they've put a lot of effort into it on this release Uh, it's been on some of the updates uh, announcements they've been talking about and i use bluetooth a lot mostly through my phone but headphones bluetooth speaker all day long when i'm dicking around at home and so wanted to test that and it connects so quickly finds stuff really quickly reconnects you know it's much, much, much better than Bluetooth has ever been on Linux. So that is a, a massive win for Ubuntu.
0: Hopefully that's going to trickle down to the other distros as well because Bluetooth has been a disaster on Linux for a very long time. Well, yeah. since ever. So yeah, well done. I didn't actually test Bluetooth because I didn't have it on the laptop that I was testing it on. But that makes me consider it for certain other devices now.
3: Also, they make the transition from Windows. And as a Windows user at work, I've, I'm very used to using Start, correctly named uh left and right for moving windows to the left half the right half full screen that kind of stuff and i think other desktops do it but um they've implemented that as well so super key left and right enables you to move your uh, windows around i guess it's a GNOME thing now. i think about it but it does it does mean that windows users transition very easily i know that as a you know a starter distro or noob distro uh the one that a lot of people go to ubuntu it, it works well for ubuntu to have that for people to transition easily so that's a good a good thing to have
2: yeah it's definitely a gnome feature um i've never used it before until you just said it but it works
0: on budgie as well so it's a upstream gnome being cool thing all right well can we talk about software so i always do the vlc test it's something i've done for years for various reasons even though i don't really use vlc that much anymore but anyway so you search for VLC in software, and you find two different versions. Now, I know, because I know about these things, that one is a snap and one is a deb, but it doesn't say anything about that. And it just seems confusing to users. Why are the two different versions?
3: Well, can I pause you there, Joe? Did you? Is there any way that you knew which one was a snap and which one was a deb? No. I kind of
0: assumed that the top one was, and then it was. Or was it the bottom one? I can't remember. The top one was what? Uh Snap. Right, okay. Sorry, yeah, I should have been clearer there. And I'm I, I had an instinct for which one was the Snap and which one was the Deb. And I got it right. My instinct was correct. But the average user is just going to be confused by that. And it makes me think that if they're going to go all in on Snap, which they clearly are, and we've talked about the benefits of it already on this show, why not just only have snaps in that if if there is a snap of the thing that you're searching for just show the snap and don't show the deb of it and if there are no snaps and only a deb then show the deb it just feels like if you're going to commit to snaps to the point that they are prominently featured in the results of a, a search for software then you must be confident enough in it to not show the deb
3: do you have a snap deb preference no well I uh, yes
0: <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Deb, obviously. But um, at the same time, I'm growing fonder of snaps. It seems that they, you're going to get the later versions of, it, of software and it's generally going to be better as a result. Well, you say that. Have you tried that VLC snap? Uh, briefly, and it seemed to work reasonably well. The VLC snap is
2: deeply, 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 deeply broken and very, 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 very old. So if I was Ubuntu, which I am not, I would make sure to actively blacklist some of those snaps because they will lead to a very poor user experience.
0: Oh, well, I tried it out and it played videos, no problem. And They have no
2: theme integration in the VLC snap. It's not been updated since January. So the version in Deb is actually going to be newer, better, and more integrated than the snap
0: one. So is that why they are just hedging their bets and showing you both then?
2: Um, I think it's actually to do with the way GNOME software works uh, in terms of the plugin priority. But for some of those, they really should hide them because they have their own VLC, which works perfectly
0: fine. So this old Snap, then, presumably has got that subtitle bug in it, the security vulnerability. I don't know. Well, it might do, because that was only a few months ago. uh, I'm getting old. That was probably about three years
3: ago. But it's sandbox, Joe.
0: True, it's sandboxed. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you can definitely rely on that all the time. Uh, But back to how awesome Ubuntu is, go. (laughs) Well, if you don't care for the the massive changes that they've made, such as having a proper desktop that you can actually clutter up, excellent, and um, having proper window controls on the correct side. No. If you don't like any of that stuff, (laughs) then you can just install one package, can't you, to get a completely stock GNOME, uh, which is just GNOME-session. Can you? Ah, Yes, which I did. And sure enough, you log out and then you've got four potential login sessions, which are uh, Ubuntu, Ubuntu on XORG, and then GNOME on the two of them, Wayland or XORG. And it all seems to work perfectly well. And then, Logging into vanilla stock GNOME made me think, I really don't like it. I didn't like Unity. (laughs) There's no point in me trying to hide that. But I think that I dislike GNOME more than I disliked Unity. And so, given the choice, it's just a no-brainer. I'd far rather use this latest version of Ubuntu, which is... It's kind of GNOME, but it's kind of Unity. It's as close to Unity as they could make, by the looks of things, in the few months that they had.
3: So I wonder, you know, I'm sure Ike has a couple of comments he'd like to make, but given your point there about how similar it is to Unity, and and I would echo that as well, do you think that uh, um, System76 was right to make Pop OS? No and their fear of it, <laughs> of their users being shocked and horrored by the, the entirely new look.
0: No, I think it was a knee-jerk reaction to make Pop! OS, and it was a fucking ridiculous idea.
3: Okay. Uh, Ikey, <laughs> any... <laughs> <laughs> what well, am I wrong? <laughs> no.
0: Uh, I won't use
2: quite the same terms, but they were very reactionary. And I think the way things have played out since, it's... The... The, the podium that they were stood on is very, very weak now, to put it in the politest of terms.
0: <laughs> Reid, I agree with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> not explicitly. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, if
2: they end up doing something good, that's great, fantastic. I would love to be proven wrong. Yet to see any evidence of that yet. Um, because my opinion of this is they're not just another distro out there they're also a quote hardware company end quote so i would like to see them do it right so i'm still seeing which way it goes but the way that things have gone so far with the way that they've done now in the latest ubuntu i don't really think anyone would care anymore it's like oh this is just like an updated stack because when you moved between the previous versions of ubuntu there were always changes slight refinement it's gonna feel like that to
0: most people now going to the new ubuntu there's not any real differences apart from the hood. I think the average user, or well, I suppose this from seventy six, isn't aimed at the average user, are they?
2: True, they're aimed at scientists and three D printers. And <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry, <laughs> okay, there was a bit of bitchiness to be had. All right, now we can move on. <laughs> yeah, and developers as well. Developers, developers, developers. 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 <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Well, Pop OS, it remains to be seen. I haven't looked at it for a little while I probably should have done. But that it, last time I looked at it it was just sort of stock grown with a quite a nice theme, I thought. But I'm sure they have great plans for it and then you kind of have to start somewhere. But um Yeah, maybe... they've not played all their cards yet. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about the flavours. I suppose maybe we could wait till next week and talk about them. I mean for me, really it's only Ubuntu Mate that is relevant in uh in terms of anything new. Um
2: Martin has done a lot of work on that as well. Yeah. If you follow any of these Google Plus stuff or the Ubuntu Mate blog. Like, I know for a long time, people consider Mate is just the traditional desktop. But as well as being the traditional metaphor, he has done quite a few things there. Like, they've actually got their own HUD over there as well.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, they've replicated a lot of the Unity stuff. So if if this uh, mainstream Ubuntu isn't Unity-like enough for you, then... You've got another option, and okay, nothing's going to be quite exactly the same as Unity was, but the mutiny layout with the HUD and everything is pretty close by the looks of things. So it's. And a refreshed theme as well. Yeah, although my understanding is high DPI support is uh, not great. Yeah, it's considerably weaker in Matty.
2: That is an ongoing thing they're working to resolve, but. Uh, Wimpy does have some ongoing patches for that so there is testing and I mean being him I'm pretty sure wanted stable they'll just push it out as an update to be honest like in the stable channel
0: yeah and to be fair who's got a high DPI screen I know you have but even even I
2: don't use it do I mine's put down to 1080
0: Does it look blurry? Like if I've got a 1080 screen, it looks wrong at at any other resolution.
2: Uh, I mean, when I first switched it back over, it did feel like it was just on 4K. It's like, I can't see anything. I don't understand numbers anymore. But um, I mean, it's like a 28-inch monitor. So I mean, you'd have to be fairly fucking blind for that to be blurry (laughs) at any given resolution. (laughs) So yeah, it's a 1080 on HDMI. I'm well used to it again. So it's not blurry to me. I don't yeah. think I could go back to 4K. I'm pretty sure I would develop paper cuts on my eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right, well, we should kind of sum it up, I suppose. So, failing, this is negative in the KDE dimension. It is. I Sorry. mean, <laughs> the thing I like about KDE is the apps, so the apps aren't here. <laughs> so, Well, you can pull down a load of dependencies uh, and run uh, them no, and have the I think if, if you
1: go to a, a desktop environment, I think you should stick in it.
0: I don't advocate the cross-pollination that a lot of people do, but hey. <laughs> so you've got no intention of switching to this. There's just no way that's going to happen. I know. It's just not for me. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's nice.
1: I, I really appreciate the work they put into it. I really like It looks good. Uh, functions
0: well. I mean, I would recommend it to people. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So say you've got um, a friend or whatever, and they – Willing to convert to Linux, it seems logical that Ubuntu is the way to go. Sorry, IKE. But um what flavor? But like Ubuntu has a base, but then what flavor? For me, I don't know, that there's a a balance there between what is going to be the most usable for that person and what am I using so I can support them more easily. And I tend to just drift towards XSCE, which is, well, it's generally the people I convert have got knackered old hardware, so it doesn't make sense to use anything heavier. But that's a very long way of asking you, Fadeem, would it be Neon that you'd put on someone's laptop for them, or would it be this, or would it be another flavor? If
1: I'm supporting them, I'd probably put Neon on it, because give me a week and I'd have forgotten how to do anything in this, because I wouldn't use it properly, and yeah, but I mean, that said, the great advantage is the fact that so many people do use it and there is a big company behind it and, you know, they're a professional outfit. You you can debate that as much as you want, but they are. And it's nice to be able to say, here you go, here's this thing, loads of people use it and, you know, they'll look after you if you need to. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd be torn. Um, I guess I, I, I would base it on who was there. And um, if it was somebody that, you know, I was leaving it to and they were maybe a bit more noobish maybe, then I'd probably would
0: give them Ubuntu, to be honest. All right. Well, Ike, we know that you are not going to use this because you use Solus and you wouldn't recommend it because you would recommend Solus. So we could well, probably for a
2: desktop use case, it all depends on what people have to do. Yeah. Like if somebody was say engineering or maths orientated, then no, I probably wouldn't send them to Solus because we're more of a mainstream desktop system. For those more periphery cases, then yeah, I probably would send them over to the Ubuntu land.
0: All right. And in Ubuntu land, would it be this or would it be a flavor?
2: It would be this one, mainly because it has the backing of the main team. And that's, to me, these things now come down to who's got their money involved in it.
0: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So Jesse, you have flirted with many different desktop environments, and you're kind of a gnome man these days. I know that you use Arch because you're a fucking hipster, but would you consider going back to it for this?
3: Uh, I'm very likely to be putting Ubuntu back onto my machines, and uh, now that especially now I know there's a way of easily getting f- straight Gnome on there, uh, I think it's going to be using good. DD. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I managed to make my USB stick for this very successfully. Thank you. <laughs> Did you use a GUI tool this time? Uh, no. Despite uh, a presentation on it at Oddcamp, I forgot like how he did, oh, how he did it. Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: So, so yeah. you are tempted to go back and um, after your fuck up with your recording the other uh, I think it was two episodes ago, and that was because it was in a cupboard, you claimed, or in a drawer or something. But anyway, so you are tempted to go back to proper Ubuntu and just use Stock Gnome though.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's my plan. I've I've found enough quirks and issues on other distros that all just work on Ubuntu and uh, I-, I can do without the headache.
0: May I ask why stock GNOME and not the tweaks that they've made?
3: Mm, I mean, my current answer is because of GNOME Tweak Tool and someone may will be listening saying, oh, you can put it on you know, the stock one and do whatever you like. But starting from an unadulterated version with a GNOME Tweak Tool to change the icons and things to how I like them, then that's how I like it. I I genuinely can't stand most of the colours and icons and all that kind of stuff that Ubuntu use. So, ripping them out and putting new ones in, I might as well just go straight with with GNOME. Fair enough. And as for me, no, not not a chance. XFCE. Uh,
0: Well, it's working for me. Uh, Maybe if I get a 4K screen and realise how shit XFCE is on that, then I might think, oh, right, I need to do something else there. But, Just nothing is able to tempt me away from what I've been using for all these years, quite frankly. It just works well enough for me, so I'm not going to use it. And would I recommend it? I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe, maybe, but then there's that support thing that we talked about with failing there. I wouldn't remember how to do it. I know how to support XFCE over the phone and stuff, so... We
2: know how to fix that problem, don't you? Like, if you, if you're in the predicament of getting family and friends over to Linux and you're wondering, what should I give them? Because, you know, it's going to get to the point where they're going to phone me up and say, blah, 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 this thing's gone wrong. Give them fucking Gentoo or Gentoo or however you want to say it. Give them Arch. Give them Void Linux if you really must. <laughs> they will never go near Linux again and you will be free of support queries like for another six months, right? Do you know even even for bastard points, right? To say remove nsswitch.conf and resolve.conf, so they can't even fucking internet, right? Set them up real proper, and you'll never get those queries again. You will feel great. You know they would have dipped their toes and said, "Oh fuck it, that burns." You know everyone's a winner.
0: I'm trying to advocate here. I
2: oh, advocate! All oh, right,
0: all <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, gone uh Ubuntu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, all right well uh, we might be totally wrong Uh, last time there was a major release I think Shotworth threw in some stuff at the last minute that made uh, a lot of people embarrassed by their reviews but I don't think that's going to happen this time I think it's going to be pretty much as we've talked about it but in two weeks we'll come back and maybe talk about any little differences that were there for the final release but uh, in the meantime then I have been Joe I've been less freshly showered I've been dying to get out in the wind And I've been dying to get away from his wind
2: <laughs>
0: <sighs> See you later <laughs> we'll See you, Slan.